On today's episode, Dave interviews Brian O'Connell. Brian has been in The Girls Room, Red Dirt Rising, and the internet series Mr. Wrong and Model Ball. He wrote and directed Killer View, the first feature film to be shot exclusively on a disposable video camera. Brian teaches improv at I.O. West and is a core faculty at the Miles Stroth Workshops. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. You don't drive. You don't drive. I, I do we, not. You've been here for how I'm long? capable of driving. Oh, I understand that. I've had a car that, before. Right. I've had a car. For a long, long time. Uh huh. But you are that person that lives here mm -hmm. that does not drive. No. Nope. God, I know somebody else who didn't drive. Uh, um, Derek Miller for a long time didn't have a car, didn't drive. And I was like, I was like, how do you do like auditions and stuff? And he was like, oh, I, I have the bus schedule down to a science. Is that what you do? Uh, yeah, mostly buses. Uh, here I took an, I, I try and walk everywhere actually. It's just good no for idea. me. Like uh -huh. if it wasn't blazingly hot outside, I would have made the walk down here. Uh, to this from Hollywood to where you live. Right. Uh, but it's so hot. I was like, Uber it is. I fucking love that Uber, man. Oh, so I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, just the idea of last night, I see, I, I like this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. My downstairs neighbor does this thing where he will park in the driveway and leave his car there for like three days. Oof. And he doesn't, I'm like, just move it up, dude. Just move up your car mm -hmm. and I'll park behind you. Yeah, you know, you're not going in and out. You yeah. don't do that. And uh, here's the ironic thing. He doesn't think about it. And the ironic thing is he's a yogi. Like he, he is, he wears white. He walks out, he does sunrise salutation out there. He only wears white. I've never seen him take his garbage out. I've never seen him do his laundry. He has two women that come by, middle-aged women who are dressed nice. They're not hookers or anything, who do his bidding. I, I, I smell, I seldom smell food. I will smell <laughs> incense coming up like you're going, who cleaned my apartment with stinky shit? And it's incense coming up from downstairs. And uh, it's, um, so he, it's, it's a minus thing. So what I'll do is I'll go, it's fucking Saturday, Sunday, which means Monday is parking reg regulation mm -hmm. and Tuesday is parking regulation. This is such a boring conversation. But, uh, I'm in, I'm but, in. but it, it's, so I'll go, all right, Sunday night, I fucking, I don't want to move my car. I'll just Uber it to the movie theater. I'll Uber it to there. I'll just have somebody swing by and pick me up tonight. Um, uh, is the premiere of the group, which oh, yeah, uh, Mercedes and uh, I mean Gracie, Mercedes and uh, Michael Garcia. Mm -hmm. So tonight, that's at the Grove. So I'm having somebody oh, pick awesome. me up. I fucking love. I love not driving. <laughs> Just, you know what I mean? What I particularly like about Uber and like my grandfather uh, drove a cab, yellow cab in Chicago for like 25 years. Mm -hmm. Big Jim O'Connell, right? And then did Dispatch at the end. Yeah, right. Uh, he was basically, yeah. Oh, he did Dispatch at the end. At the end, yeah. He was basically, uh, what's his name? He was, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from Danny Taxi. DeVito. Yeah, he was Danny, Danny DeVito, DeVito from Taxi. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I like, but it's, it's not the same with cabs out here like it is in Chicago or San Francisco. What I love about Uber is the conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can have yeah. a conversation again. You're like, uh, how long have you been driving for Uber? How do you like it? Right. What, what else do you do if you don't mind me asking? Right. Oh, that's fascinating. What do you guys do? And then by the end of it, we're like, we're buddies, we're exchanging like cards. I've met so many interesting cool dudes and I'm like, this is worth this is worth $10 more than what I'm paying. I, I agree. The last time I went to Second City, I took an Uber to Second City. Uh, the driver had just finished classes at UCB. And uh, I have some pretty strong opinions about that. And uh, Are we going to talk about them today? We could if we want, but I have very strong opinions about it. But I feel like uh, so he said, uh, oh, UCB, and, you know, he said UCB and figuring out, and went here, and then and took a lot of classes there. And I sensed something in his voice. I just sensed something. It's told him to do. I sensed something in his voice, and I went, you didn't have fun. He goes, well, I, I kind of guess I didn't really. I was like, kind of guess. <laughs> yeah. The pause, mm -hmm. and this is what we notice being an improv teachers. We go, we notice fucking everything. The pause, which mm -hmm. is the duration of, of the duration of time, pause, uh, the use of the word kinda Ugh. and a little bit of whatever the fuck he said. So he's, he's weasel wording his way out of accepting the fact that he didn't have a good time. Yeah. And as if his own thoughts and feelings aren't valid. Well, yeah. And there's a couple things going on because he doesn't know who I am. Right. And he doesn't know what I know. But the moment that I said, I totally understand what you're talking about. I watched this weight on his shoulders, which is another thing that we <sighs> notice. We notice people going... And when we notice that, the huh, I'm bringing my shoulders down, huh, and we notice that when we see people be at where they stand down, mm -hmm. 
which is a military phrase. So they stand down, and I, and I noticed that, and that was a great conversation. Had another conversation. I with love me. the fact that you know, like you got the opportunity because you're like he doesn't know who I am, he doesn't know what I know, but it's great. So then he doesn't have that sort of pressure on him either. You can like you're just the most sympathetic ear he could have possibly had at that moment. At that moment, and here's an interesting thing: is mm -hmm. that happens all the time for people. The idea that you get what it is that you need when it is that you need to get it. Mm -hmm. And whew, did you? I feel that something happened to you. And when I say that, what I don't mean is mm -hmm. a traumatic experience in your life. I mean, over the past three years, you have chilled. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Is that, Very is that much right? So. Yeah, that's a... That's it's a, so that's interesting a to watch that. Because <laughs> you and I don't talk that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'm watching you, and, and it's not just you being here, but I've watched, I've watched you just go... <sighs> yeah. Very much so. What happened? Uh, started teaching. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. It basically started to, it went from being a student of improv uh, and a historian of it. And I love all the, the, the research and the history, and I'll go online and mm -hmm. <clears throat> look up everything. Uh, I love the richness of the history. Mm -hmm. um, but then once it was my responsibility and my duty to be a teacher, and I started off teaching um, uh, for Miles first, Miles Stroth Workshop. I teach forms over there, and he's been great. He's always great to me. I'm Miles Jr. I don't make any bones about that. <laughs> uh, but then teaching level one at I.O., teaching the introductory level, and then really, uh, and I had Paul Valancourt for my first, uh, for my level one. He's fantastic. I love right. Paul. Uh, and then as soon as it came, uh, as soon as it became apparent to me that I was responsible for, I'm the face of the first thing that you ever will see in this art. You form. mentioned that in the yeah. in a, in a status update. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm like that's that's a that's a great <laughs> honor. And this this art form has given so much to me. Right. Uh, that this is my duty to give back to it. And so I'm like and so being more acceptive, being more of like, no, your thoughts and feelings are valid. You're allowed to say whatever you want to say. Uh, take away they're the only you, the great double edged sword of this art form is on the one hand uh, there's this theory that can never truly become great art because of the tenuousness of its nature. You have to be there. You have to see it. If it. You can do the greatest show you've ever done, but if you videotape it and show it to your friend the next day, it's not the same. Like you had It's close. Theater. It's close, but it's not the same in the way that, like, you know, the day after Picasso painted Guernica and today if you and I went and go saw it, the same feelings and emotions would be present there. Right. On the flip side of the, the, that double-edged sword is that this is the only art form where you're irreplaceable. No one has your thoughts, your feelings, your hopes, your dreams, your fears. I say this all at every level one class. You are you. If you, we don't have you here, and if you don't bring to the stage who you intrinsically are, we'll never get that from anyone else. And that's the beauty of it. Right. Uh, yeah, and I also tell them like, you know, us in live music. There's no Hulu for what we do. There's no, no. DVR. We're like, oh, I'll watch it later. It's not. It's not Game of Thrones, which even though Game of Thrones is awesome, uh, like we're the la us in live music are the last two things where you have to physically leave your house and come get some of it. Right. You still have to have that communal feeling. Right. <clears throat> so right. that's that's why. I've, and then hopefully, I would also think of just like. It, it takes a lot of energy to be angry, Dave. And I've been angry for so, so long that I'm just kind of tired of being angry. I think that's what happens is yeah. we spend our anger. I'm glad you, you came back to that because there's, mm -hmm. so there's so much in what you said. Uh, but I really like that idea. I like revisiting or picking up on that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there is. There is so, it does get to a point where you go, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. And we all know what it's like. <laughs> um, I brought it up so much lately just in the podcast uh, a relationship that I was just in that there was just so much anger and I felt like I don't want to have that anger in my life anymore oh, no. uh, because you wake up in the morning and you are you know you can wake up in the morning and go ha ah, what a great oh this is great and you go <laughs> what 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 can I be mad at oh that's really fresh I can be mad at she did that to me and why don't I and then the rest of your day yeah. you carry that around because you wake up with it yeah. and the moment that you I think that the moment you wake up with the stink of anger the stink of anger is probably always present sort of like a dead mouse in your bed. house yeah. you're going it's dead it's here I know it's here mm -hmm. but it is a dead mouse a couple of things that you said uh, I love it I love it that was that's just all that that you said is really phenomenal uh, the idea of um, responsibility you said there's a responsibility and you said it used another word that seemed uh i think it was a c word, the c uh, word responsibility accountability duty. Kind of, something duty. like that yeah. responsibility i don't see it like that i don't see it as a responsibility mm -hmm. um what because i don't think about that i don't i don't put and i i'm sure that you don't do this but i think a lot of people go oh there's just so much responsibility i have in this moment but 
when we're given the opportunity to do what it is that we do, mm-hmm. I think the sense of responsibility is just assumed. And right. you know, for me, what I love, because I've been teaching for so long, is just the, un- you're coming to my party. Yeah. And, you're, mm-hmm. and you're, here's the thing, you're coming to my party. The, you're already coming to my party. Yeah. I don't have to say, come to my party. You know, the understanding is you want to come to my party, right. you know, so I don't have to go do anything like, are you having a good time? Right. Uh, or I got to make sure that you're having a good time or something around the good time uh, town center, which would be a great mall. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I don't have to do anything. And so when I because I, 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 I understand what you're talking about. It's more like a sacred trust. Is it how is I that, too. Yeah. But that's ancillary. That's right. that seems down the way where I go, oh, you know, put your hands up against your head and lean back and go, oh, there's a sacred trust. And we're all involved in the sacred trust. Right. A great thing. Um, but uh, I, I for me, another thing about it is and and uh, it's changed your life. And mm-hmm. I. I've been talking to so many people about it because I think I've done 160 of these fucking things and they're just really fun to do. But what I've realized is as soon, as recently as, I want to say, let's see, I've been out here 20 years. That's crazy. As recently as 25 (laughs) years ago, Jesus Christ, I could say that. As recently as 25 years ago, no one had a job like this. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody it's, it's, that says it's, it's, it's an art form that's so wonderful, but it's also in its infancy compared to every other art form. But I think that what you have to look at, and this helps us just in terms of teaching, is to look at the art form and know that we're on the we're this art form is based on the foundation of something that is older yeah. than any other art form, really, mm-hmm. because uh, you know people in cave, you know, I think cave cave. Men and women, mm-hmm. I I would I believe that cavemen and women. Are, it's like, can I have a suggestion? Yeah. Something that scares you, and it's like mastodon. Someone like, said, I can't remember who. God, I'd love to give credit where credits due. Maybe it'll come back to me later. <clears throat> but there's this theory that that the uh, I love the way that was put. There's a theory that laughter uh, was invented by two cavemen out of fear. Where there's one caveman and he hears a rustling the bushes and he he's got his spear and he's ready like oh it's a saber toothed tiger and then up pops his buddy Og who's just eating berries and then both of them go I, 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 I thought I thought you were a tiger I thought I was gonna die and the other was like oh I saw you with the spear I thought you were gonna kill me oh oh god I'm so glad that it, it it's is, just yes it's really interesting like I love that idea I love that concept the idea of laugh the concept of laughter. Mm. See, babies aren't taught laughter, are they? Nope. They just, it just happens. So there's something scientific that gets to them that probably is connected to the fear, um, the emotion of fear. Right. It really would be connected to the emotion of fear where you, um, you're surprised, you're pulled back. I, you know, fear and laughter. Peek-a-boo. Right. Peek-a-boo. right. Peek-a-boo. You're gone. I'm sad. I'm right. mad. Ah, it's also you? magic. Like, how did you do that? <laughs> you're gone for a minute. But that, I, the, that, the idea that, we we're it is in its infancy and it is connected to all those things and so that says to me anybody that wants to do what it is that you that any anybody who wants to do what it is that they think they can do they can do what it is Mm -hmm. that they think they can do and when it comes to when it comes to the idea of uh I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I just don't know what I do with it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Just stop thinking of you don't know what to do mm-hmm. with your life and start looking at the life that you live. Currently in this moment. Currently in this moment and say, well, I have this. Mm-hmm. I like cooking. Yeah. I like eating. I like washing dishes. I like pooping. I like, you know, I, I like staring out the window. There is, <laughs> there is a job. Maybe pooping would be like something, but if you really want to do it, you can make a living at it. It's, it's there different. is a job for all that you are inspired by. Yeah. It's the idea of, uh, <clears throat> there's a great video of Denzel Washington mm-hmm. uh, floating around right now. Just three minutes I love long. the idea of Denzel Washington floating, floating. around right now. Uh-huh. They tried to kill my wife. <laughs> Uh, I'm working on my Denzel lately. Uh, But yeah, it's just three minutes. It's him on stage. Someone's recording it with the camera phones with a bunch of clearly stage actors who are all holding this like sort of similar box. So I'm like, this is some sort of like either like prize or award or like a graduation thing at the end of a show. And he's just there in regular clothes and he's talked to him all that. And it starts off with him saying, he's like, the passion that you have for this thing that you want to do 
means that you already have it. Right. You already own it. That's yours. You're gonna if you if it's in front of the camera, on the stage, behind the stage. He was like, you know, uh, backstage doing that. He's like, the passion that you have for that means that you already have it. It's yours. Mm-hmm. Now you just have to go take it. Right. Yeah. And he's and it was, it was everyone was like, oh. he's like, oh, he's like, oh, don't get me wrong. He's like, we're all the same. He's like, <clears throat> he's like, but he goes back to to swing back around to duty and responsibility. He's like, he's uh he's like this last thing, and it's a really cool phrase. He's like. You have to remind him, he's like, the last thing I'll leave you with, he's like, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Right? He's like, you can't take it with you. He's like, I've made right. hundreds of millions of dollars right. in this thing. He's like, but what I do with that defines who I am. Right. He's like, because you can't take it with you. He was like, it's not about what kind of car you have. He's like, when the, he's like you know, buying a house for your mommy. He's like, buy a house for your mom. Buy right. a house. You definitely do that. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, the idea that there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, also the idea of uh, the major part of, of, of my takeaway of that story is um, you already have it. It's yours. Because I think a lot of people say, what I got to do is I got to go find. It's like, no, you don't have to find nothing, man. What I got to do is uh, discover. It's like, no, you fucking don't have to discover it. Every, and, and it's the concept of living in lack as opposed to living in abundance. Right. To be mindful, and I've said it so many times, it's such a great, I think it, it's a, Reverend Michael Beckwith, um, replace ambition with gratefulness. The idea that you have everything that you need. You have to recognize that you have it, one. Two, you then have to just celebrate it and yeah. live it. And and celebrate the fuck out of it. If you um, keep moving the goalpost, you're never going to be satisfied and you're going to be, you're going to die sad. The fucking <laughs> goal, fuck the goalpost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. No, Yeah, you watch. If I book. only get this thing, then I'll be happy. And they get that thing and then push it again. I think <clears> that the reason that people love football is the idea that Football has there, – there's a duality. There's two things that you can dig about football, mm-hmm. and I'm not a football fan at all. I'm, I'm more and more recently in the last couple of years I've, to the point where I'm like, I don't think I'm going to watch anymore. Well, here's the thing about yep. For me, I, it's not – I guess any sport, mm-hmm. but I'm looking at football. Um, football is people sitting in the audience, audience mm-hmm. watching the process with the goal being the goal. Right. But 95% of it certainly is the process. The process of moving downfield. The process of blocking somebody from moving downfield. Yeah. The process of watching the process. And I think that the more I've been thinking about improv, and I've been teaching this a lot, or at least sharing this with people, is improv is sitting and watching. The product is the process. Right. The product is us sitting in the audience watching the process. And while you're doing the thing on stage that people are watching, you have to know that the only goal you have, the only goal really is to be mindful of being in process. Right. And, and what we get to do, and, and I think that uh, it's so weird because I think about the word process and it just feels so weird to say, but the process is the product. Right. And I think the word process has so much like, oh, it's just potential, it's potential. It's not fucking potential. It, it's not potential energy. It's kinetic energy. Right. It is happening at that moment. I'm a huge NBA fan. I love basketball. Mm-hmm. The uh, It's the beautiful game, as it's referred to. Uh-huh. I think basketball has more in common with improv than any other sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both... <clears throat> We're both. Uh, it's the only sport where the audience is literally on top of the players. Right. Uh, there's a hardwood floor. We're basically <laughs> naked. You right. Know, speaking of front, like they have the least amount of gear of any uh, of any of the major sports. Um, there's a coach, but once you know, there's a game plan. You know, like just same way that you know, there's the Princeton offense and the triangle mm-hmm. offense. We have mm-hmm. the herald and the deconstruction on that. Mm-hmm. There's a coach, but once the game starts, once the actual performance starts, there's not a whole lot the coach can do. Uh-huh. The same way in improv, you just have to sort of let them. And then they come down and they'll even call set plays. But as things break down, it's constantly moving. And the the biggest thing about it is that since there's only five guys on there, each one of those people is so much more important to the, to the sport than versus like like college football, there's 150 guys on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Right? In, in the NBA, there's five guys there and maybe like four more that can come on and play. Right. And that's right. The, or the 10-man rotation as I referred to. Um, <clears throat> but getting to know those people better off the court leads to better – uh, performance on the court. Uh, they've, they've shown it scientifically that the teams that uh, touch more, high five, hugs, huddles, all that, are the more successful. They might not win the whole thing, right. the whole championship, and right. then there's a constant dance that's going on at all times. And then, you know. 
Boy, there's so much over. There's so much story there. This the, over the life of a season. That's why there's so many great books about it over the course of a season. And also, you, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm moving. For a second, right. I want to write this down. Dave is moving. I'm moving. He's, I'm he's grabbing down. something to write down. Old school pen and paper. Um, don't write this down. Mm-hmm. You inspired me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the idea. I, I may be going back to Australia, and they might have me work on some. Uh, some uh, with, uh, structures. Um, uh, coaching a an improv team like a like a basketball coach, mm-hmm. um, and that means I can, hope I can read that. Um, <clears throat> time out. Right. Listen, while you're out there, what I need for you to do is uh, listen. Did you pay attention to what was going on down there? You know, looking at the schematic and all that shit. Yeah. Boy, boy, that is just so true. Watch tape of an NBA team uh, practice where they'll run the stats on that. And the same way that we do side coaching, where we right. pause for a second, like, right. see, if you go here and then this happens, you know, right. and you see the effect, now you've got, and the, the guys are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here, try it again. It's right. the same thing with our I, students. When I, and there's something that I teach called, um, uh, that I was inspired by called Viewpoints. Are you familiar with Viewpoints? Uh, I am through Honeycutt. Honeycutt, right. So what I love about learning Viewpoints is it's, it's a nine-point, I don't know, it's, it's, it's nine points. Let's right. just say it's nine points. Uh, it's nine topics. And these nine topics, mm, <laughs> nine definitions, there we right. go. These nine definitions define, I know it sounds hyperbolic, but defines everything. So... One of the things that, it, that you notice is there's something called soft focus. Mm-hmm. And soft focus is just you shutting everything out except you start listening. It's a meditative oh, sort it. of thing. And so you're aware of everything. You're aware of everything behind you. You are hyper aware. You're, you're deep tissue listening. You know, you're, you're subdermally listening. You are listening on a level that is where you're listening with every part of your body. And what... One of the things that they teach, one of the things is spatial relationship, which mm-hmm. is how close or far away somebody's moving, going yep. back to basketball. Mm-hmm. Another one is... Spacing um, is very important. Basketball. Tempo. <clears throat> tempo is another one. So spatial relationship, tempo. The right uh, gun, seven all, seconds or less. Right. So it's that, but it's also the tempo of... Uh, so it's the, the architecture, architecture being not just the floor, and the, but it's architecture being sound. Right. So one of the things that I noticed when I was watching, uh, when, when I would watch... Uh, the Bulls play in the old days, is I would watch all those guys be aware. So you would be aware of where everybody was. Dell used to talk about, you know, Gretzky and how he would know every where every fucking buddy was on the right. court, on the, on the ice. Um, so for me, I, you, would watch, you would watch Michael go down court and you would just watch him without even looking flick the ball and go, who's he flicking? There's Pippen. What the hell? How did he know? He's throwing and then into Pippen, an empty space that exactly. Pippen steps in. Exactly. Yeah. And then Pippen just, just looks like he's going to, he's going to, you know, do a, do a, what's it called? A jump shot? A no, jump shot, yeah. A jump shot. Do a jump shot, but he hands it off to Kerr, who then runs down and backhands it to Kukoc, who throws it over to Michael, who just goes whoosh dunks it in. And you go, how the fuck did they fucking know that? And this is what I think is the same thing in improv. I think that they're aware, they know, they have a relationship to the architecture. The architecture is sound. The sound being, the sound, they know Michael's footsteps. They know Kukoc's footsteps. They know Kerr's footsteps. They know Pippin's footsteps. They know what that sounds like. Right. They know it's your hugging thing, that metaphor. They know the tempo of which they run. They know the barometric pressure that changes when old, when when another tall black guy passes them and a short white guy passes them. Mm -hmm. They know, shorter white guy, they know, that was Kerr, so they know all that shit. That's absolutely true. You know, and so when we start to just not be, that we being improvisers, artists, was to say improvisers for now, when we stop being aware, uh, when we stop being concerned about what the fucking outcome is, and then be aware of where it is right now, not because we have to, but because we get to, and we have to fucking celebrate that motherfucker. I think that comes from, you know, we, we talk a lot about trust, but also... Uh, the familiarity, you know, you talk about the Bulls and how they know each other, and I'm, I'm certainly not making the comparison to the 1990s Chicago Bulls here, <clears throat> although someone else did that for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, I make that reference when I, when I teach and I tell my students, it's the sort of same feeling with Dr. God, that group that I'm part of. You, so you've been together for 10 years, 11 years? Oh, no, God, no. They, uh, I've been with them six. I'm like the newest. But they're... Man. They've uh, probably only seven. 
Seven thought, years total. I thought I saw a 10-year anniversary. 10-year anniversary was a Dr. God show to celebrate my 10 years at being an I.O. <laughs> uh, I threw myself a, ten, a sweet 16 I see, party. I see. I got uh, it. But okay. yeah, we know each other so well. We know right. that, so that when we're in that, right. I will feel the air of Justin Ware making the edit. I'm already halfway out my seat before I even see him because yep. I know, like, yep, here he comes because right. this is the kind of thing. That's a button that he loves. It puts all that. We just know it. We just know. I turn around, you know, and see Neil. And before he starts, I go, "Oh, the whole reason Neil has me out here is because he wants to do a straight absurd scene, and he knows that the two of us know that backwards and forwards." So let's. Yep, there it is. Let's go. Got it. Yeah, got it. Got it. it. Uh, Yeah, and 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 the moment that the moment you sit down, Mm -hmm. you know everything. Right. And and it's also, I've been thinking about this and and. Y'all are really great at that. Uh, and it's the thing about getting together in groups that you know really well, because I was in a group called Stacy's Not Here for 15 years or 12 years. I know that, and, I know yeah, that name. We're good. So it's the idea of this. Follow me on this. I'm following you. When we're, when we're in a group together, mm-hmm. I know that you know mm-hmm. that I know that you know that I know. Yep. That's the fuck what it's all about. Mm-hmm. That there's a fucking code that you and I have that everything that I do, you know, I know, you know, I know you're doing it. And I didn't leave, I, there's not an unnecessary you know and I know mm-hmm. in that. It, no. It's exactly, it covers it all. Yeah. So that's why what Honeycutt, Eric Honeycutt teaches, I gotta get him on this thing. What you Eric teaches. How did you have me on before Eric Honeycutt? Eric's fucking hard to get in touch with. He's, he's, he's started, one of those people. He does not return fucking phone calls. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, he doesn't. Re- There's a few people in the universe, and we all know those people where you go, that's the kind of person who does not return phone calls. You know what I mean? Like, how do we live with somebody like that? And you go, look, you fucker, you, you know, and all you have to do is return my fucking phone call. Right. You know? And, right. and you go, after a while, you go, all right, fuck it, I'm not going to do it. Well, I knew him from when he started being the training center director at I.O. Mm-hmm. I was the bar manager there, and we became friends through that. So maybe, I don't, the only theory I can have, because you, what you're saying is 100% true, uh-huh. is only like, he's just, he just burned out on phone calls. He took all the phone calls he could ever take. You know, it's like what, uh, what alcoholics talk about, like, everyone's born with a bottle. I just drank mine too fast. Well, so I'm not allowed to have any more. <laughs> well, here's another thing. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. Fuck that. Because I'm Dave Rosowski and you motherfucking fuck you, Honeycutt. I love you. Fuck he, and he and I yes, now do, But here's the thing. You talk about you talk about a <laughs> you talk, yeah, take that guy down a I would say well here's the thing. I would say that I would say that he would uh you know he I, I know better than he's gonna hear this. You know what I mean? I know better. He's not gonna fucking hear this. He's not gonna hear of this. He doesn't have the time. Like, he doesn't have the fucking time. Because you know what he has to do? Tell him about it. He's yeah, like, fuck I, it, man. You know what? He, he's going to so whatever it all. But uh, <laughs> Eric and I did a show at uh, in Monterey. We did a two-hander at Monterey. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was recorded. Mm-hmm. And it was recorded with lobs. Right. And it fucking rocked, man. Yeah. So it's, it's the example that I give people where they go, what, what, what is it that you do? And I give them that. I, I send them a link to that. Um, Can you send me that link? I, don't, never, I will definitely send it. Link. Well, the thing is, yeah, yeah, I will definitely send you the link. It is one of the greatest shows I've ever, I've ever been in. Awesome. And it's because Eric knows that I know that he knows that mm-hmm. I know that he knows. Because he is aware. And when you do the viewpoints, and by the way, I think I'm teaching a view. Oh, I'm teaching viewpoints. Uh, I'm teaching viewpoints in at the Improv Fest in San Francisco. It's sold out. But uh, I just thought I'd throw that in. Yeah, um, it's sold out. Uh, the idea of uh, knowing that he knows everything that I'm doing on stage, and he is aware of where I am all the time, and not to live in a state of what's happening. And I got to look at you, and we got to talk, and all that shit. Fuck all that. Fuck all that. Mm-hmm. That's not trust. And we go back to the idea of trust. Right. Uh, if, if, speaking of trust, if you can indulge me for one second, can I? Uh, I do a lot of impressions of people in the, in the uh-huh. world on that, but Honeycutt's walk is the thing I'm most. Oh my proud god! Of. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Right, right. The one right. that always works. Uh huh. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> That's it. It's kind of legs up, knees up. He he leads with his knees. Yeah. Knees up and he'll yeah. That's it. And knees his, up. His extra long monkey arms. Yeah, too, yeah. too long for his body. Yeah, and he wears that kind of 
pork pie, white yeah, he, pork which pie he can hand. pull off. He can fucking pull that off. Yeah. He can pull that off. Very he can pull that can off. Pull that off. Yeah, yeah. He can but, pull that off. Crowley can pull that off. He's got about twenty of those. Oh, things. Crowley is the king of hats. Oh yeah. He and I talk about hats all the time. All the time. John Crowley. Um, are you still working the bar there? I bartend on Friday nights. I'm down to one night a week. At I O. Yeah. In the, in the God, how many years has it been now? Mm. Let's see. You can do the math real quick. I'm 38. And I've been bartending for 21 years. Jesus Christ. So do the math. 17. Yeah. Before so, it was illegal. Uh, uh, <laughs> Before the, it should have been. Well. The, so I'm down to one night. Do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy it? I do enjoy it. I enjoy, um, <clears throat> especially I enjoyed it at I.O. It's the best bartending job I've ever had in my uh -huh. life. Because it's 80% regulars. Right. They've all been taught how to be nice to each other and right. listen and care. Right. And then the other 20% that come in just get folded into the family. Right. right. I've been there since 2003. I can count on one hand how many fights I've seen there. And only one of them involved improvisers. It's always outside people. It was always people who are coming to the wrong party. Coming to the wrong I'm like, party. As soon as someone how comes in, you... I can tell from what they order. I go, dude, this isn't your joint. Right. This isn't your place. You're what's like, the order? What's the order? Uh, it's usually either Jaeger bombs or Long Island. Oh, I for go, fuck's sake. You're in the wrong place, man. You're looking to get fucking shit can. You're drinking for purpose. You're like, go across the street to Loaded. That's your jam. Oh, that's Loaded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 but that's a young man's game. I feel like... Um, I do enjoy the dance back there, too, when it's busy. And it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. But it's, it's that mindless thing. It's not my, and here's the thing about the word mindless, I think, because I'm just thinking about it right now. Mindless is not... In that, you're mindfully mindless. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it's like you're going, you're cruising, you're there. Very and the more being you, in the trance. You know, just yeah, but the, and that's it. The more that you think about it, the less you're going to be in it. Right. And you're going with the flow. And flow is so important. Flow is so fucking important. The idea that one thing, the one thing leads to another thing, leads to another thing, leads to another thing, leads to another thing. And to know that, again... Are you in process of your life? Are you in process or are you looking at the goal? And when you first come out to L.A., I think you're looking for the goal. You have to. That's the whole reason you moved but do from you, where you were but to, you don't to this I place. Think, I think what you might have to do is think that you have a goal. And then the first thing, the, the thing that takes the longest to let go of is you don't have a goal. Right. Don't have a goal. Just know that you're going to get to where it is that you're going this to get, the, get to. The nice thing about this business, though, one of the few nice things, is that you know the path. There is no. They always say that you know there is no one right way. There is no mm -hmm. one right path. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. all different roads. And how do you get there? Right. You know. Uh, you know. You can be. Yeah. You can be like when you see those like. Oh well. I guess I have to be born into this. You know. Family to do that. I'm like no. Like. What, what family was Kathy Bates born into? She waited longer than anyone. Oh, my so God. shut up. Right. right. And here's another thing. Hey, were you with De Niro on Broadway and Frankie and Johnny at the Claire de Lune? Guess what? You're getting replaced right. in the movie. Right. Bob's still there, but you're getting replaced with Michelle Pfeiffer. How about this? If you didn't quit then, you're like, it's, it is. It's How about the process? You're Julie Andrews, mm -hmm. and you're replaced by Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady, right? Yeah, right. Like, you're Julie motherfucking Andrews. Yeah. And Audrey Hepburn? Now, tomorrow and I had this routine where we're talking about, you know, where you go, who's the, who's the meanest person you, could, you know? And it's always like Pat Finn. You know? You go, <laughs> really? God, fucker. No, no. You go, you know what I mean? Where you go, you know who's the fucking asshole? Brian Stack. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck that Brian Stack. I'm sure he'll hear this. He's the yeah, but he's the nicest. Planet. So you go. So that's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the game. That's the game. The oh, game. God, that sounds fascinating. Right. That's the game. And you go. No, he is. He's a fucking asshole. And uh, and so we'd play right. tomorrow. And I would play. You know. You know who's a real cunt. Fucking Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> Fuck that Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> Fuck her. Fuck that Audrey. She's a cunt. And uh, and that was the name of the routine. Audrey Hepburn's a cunt. <laughs> Audrey Hepburn's a cunt. But it's it is that idea of the idea of who's the nicest person that you know, and then just uh, and to throw that out. How did I get on that? How did we get on that topic? I don't know. I don't but, know either. Yeah, uh, we're there. Get you all nice and heated. Nice and yeah. heated. Uh, but to look at that and go, there's certain people where you, where you go. I remember sitting uh, at. I think I've mentioned this before. Sitting at a table. Where it was somebody's birthday, and mm -hmm. it was Nia, Nia, and Vardalis, and Ian, and, and all our friends. Right, and we're right. sitting at the table, and we're talking about people who might, people who in this world hate you. Mm -hmm. And I'm gone. I'm thinking. I don't think anybody hates me. I really don't think anybody hates me. And then going home, I'm driving my car thinking, you know what? 
I was the only person at the table divorced. <laughs> there are people that fucking hate me. There's so, there are a lot of people that hate me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, well, that's funny you mentioned that because I moved out here. I moved out here to be uh, with my ex fiance, mm -hmm. and I dodged that bullet. Oh God! Right? Woo! Right? Yeah. Um, I still, I still have the, I still keep the. Ta we have matching tattoos on our ankles, and I still keep it to just like everyone, every once in a while, I go, yeah. Oh God, life could be so much more worse right oh, now. Oh my God! She was awful. Oh my God! But you go back to that idea, the uh, the, the tipping point, mm -hmm. the tipping point where you say, mm -mm, no, no, no. The tipping point. That was it. That was at the, the age of 24. And you talk about like, you know, going all the way back to the beginning of what we're talking about. You know, the last three years, I think you chilled, Brian. You right. Because, yes, I was very angry. I love it. was angry self-hatred for a long, long time. Oh, and when yeah. She, I moved out here August 28th of 2000. She left me on Halloween an hour before I had to be at work. <clears throat> and then uh, That was her tipping point. <laughs> yeah. And then oh, she, everything that was wrong with her. Uh, so much wrong. Um, but, like, uh, at, that was a moment where I was like, well, you know, I was 24. And I was like. You know what? Because, uh, uh, like, if you're not going to kill yourself now in this moment, then you're probably never going to kill yourself. So you probably should just get on it. And that was after, like, a decade of me thinking, today is the day I should kill myself. Right. Like, every day. Right. Uh, right. And so when you get to improv and you're, like, you know, talking about changing my life, improv saved my life. It was the first thing I came to where it said it, me being me was enough. It was okay. That's the whole fucking yeah. thing and about it, being alive yeah. is you go... You are enough, and you need somebody to say to you, you're enough. And you need to go, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Now, Jeff Perry. What you're doing enough. What are you doing? Okay. You, you're Jeff Perry, Jeff Perry, who was one of the founders of uh, Steppenwolf. Okay. Yeah. Jeff Perry said he was, he was, he was, he was uh, in a scene in a class, and a teacher came up to him and said, Jeff, you're enough. Just stop. You're enough. And Jeff Perry yeah. Was told that he was fucking enough. Right. And he had a, and he had an epiphany at that moment mm -hmm. to go, he is enough. The idea that we are enough for us to stop and say, do I need to be more? And now here's the thing. Can you be more? Yeah. You cannot. No, you can't. Really? You cannot be more. You can only be you. Well, you I, say, only... I say really, it was like, can we be more? Like, maybe I should be more specific. The idea of like, I think that every day is an opportunity for for. for for betterment, for self-betterment. I don't even know what betterment means. I really don't well, know. I know that between the ages of 16 24, I was a fucking huge prick and you would have hated me. But here's I'm the, not that guy anymore. But here's the thing. You had to do that in order to be this to guy. This guy. I guess you know right. what I mean? So but then I have to think that I had to be with my ex-fiance to become who I but that's am. And I wish I could have just skipped that But you can't skip that because uh, you wouldn't be with who it is that you are with right true, now. True. So all those things lead us to that other thing. So the idea of betterment, fuck all that. I really mm. don't believe in the word better. I don't oh, believe it. I, and I, I don't is maybe like there's you know I don't believe in good or bad improvisers I think there's just improvisers and more experienced improvisers so when people when my young students get frustrated I'm like don't don't get upset when you watch Rosowski or Khaki or right. like you're not watching 15 seconds you're watching 20 years distilled into 20 they just had more at bats right than it's, you. it's the top of the ice iceberg yeah. but the thing is that don't you have to give yourself the bottom of the iceberg Sure. Well, I know. I mean, I also tell them that. I was like, I, like I'm Miles Stroth Jr. I make no bones about that. He's the first one to tell you that he sucked for the first two years. The first show he ever did, he came out twice on stage for the for the suggestion and the bow. Okay, great. <laughs> so, but like, who didn't do that? <clears throat> and here's another thing. That's what I'm saying. I'm pointing out. Everyone starts saying. I think one day you're not going to be Miles Stroth Jr. Oh, That's what I think. I don't know. I really think that. Oh, I no. think that. And, and and when I say that, I mean that with, with, ultimate, with uh, utmost respect. And the reason oh, I say that is this. Uh, what's his name? Crooner, our t our generation crooner. Uh, his I name say just Adrian Crooner. Is that no, the name? crooner? No, no, no. Like a singer. Uh, what's oh, his name? Crooner. Uh, like Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. Okay. So Harry Connick. Exactly. Thank you. Harry wow. Connick Jr. Got the, I got the, what it is that I wanted, and yes. then you gave me the name. Uh, <laughs> Harry Connick Jr. was on Fresh Air or something like that with mm -hmm. Terry Gross, and he said I was Frank Sinatra for fifteen years. Yeah, that's true. That's and then I did a show, mm -hmm. and then I was Harry Connick Jr. So what happens is we shed that which brings yeah. us to ourselves. Sure. And we shed that to which to that we shed that which brings us to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And one at one moment there's going to be you mm -hmm. and I I believe that it's there already. There, at one moment there's going to be you. Now I was I would do, and I mentioned this before, a uh, uh, I was talking to Jenna Jolovitz about this. Um, I would do what would Joe List do? So right. I don't know if you know Joe. Yeah, of course. Okay, so Joe, I would watch Joe at Second City, and I go, love his fucking choices. 
what is it? And one day, and I would go to do, what would Joe do right now? What would Joe do right now? And any improviser would say, adopt an improviser and do what it is that That's you That's what Miles told me to do. That's why I do the impressions of everyone at the theater, because I watch one person right. until I figure out how they did what they did, and now I know how to do it and execute it. Right. Next guy. Right. But the thing it, is that you good. still have all those, and it's like, we have all the teachers that we've ever, we have all the teachers that we've ever had before right now with us. And one day you shed that, and one day I was not Joe Liss anymore, and one day I was me. Right. And, um, and, and that's how, I think that's how it works. The idea of, I am, I, to stand on the shoulders and to recognize that I'm standing on the shoulders of this great fucking person and to, and because you respect them and you trust them and you mm -hmm. look at them and you know their foibles and you know when they, when they fail and you love watching them fail and you love watching them get out of it. And Except for Miles, he would say that he's never failed. <laughs> well. I, I remember when I invented pretending. Would I, <laughs> I, I probably agree with him on that. Uh. Because uh, I don't look, and this is a great thing as a teacher, when a student goes, God, I didn't get it right, uh, I didn't get the exercise right, and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What you did there was you taught us how to do it a different way. You, not to do it a different way, mm -hmm. you taught us why it works from an angle that I couldn't teach. Yeah. Because you went up there, there is no failure. I say it all the time, I'm like, I'm not interested in you getting it right, I'm interested in you getting after it. Well, here's the thing, get can you say it. the same thing about your tattoo lady? You know what I mean? Uh, Where you could say the same thing. Yeah. It's hard because it's personal. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is that that was not a mistake. Right. That was not a fucking mistake. So I go, when I say, Brian, how are you feeling? And you go, I feel better. I'm like, that's not the question that I had. I didn't ask you how you feel, how you feel so based presently. upon. Right. Yeah. How you feel based okay. upon how it was that you felt before. Sure. So the idea of betterment, there is no fucking betterment. There is the idea of I am committed to do this thing right now. Okay. And that's what I'm doing. And if I bring in yesterday or 20 minutes ago, right. that gets me out of this right now. Yeah. As soon as you bring that up, because I remember uh, at camp that first year watching you teach uh -huh. uh, and all that the idea of like uh, being, uh, camp, camp in camp in yeah. Yeah. being present in this moment and all that. And Honeycutt gave me this one that I, I still use. Like, you know, there's no revel there's no consequences on this stage, only revelation. I love that. You can't. Yeah. You do not have the right to use this art form to make yourself feel bad about yourself. Right. Right. And one of my favorite ones is, it's actually, it's funny because it's from Kung Fu Panda. It's a kid's movie. Right. But it's a really, it, it really fits an improv in life overall. It's the idea, uh, the, the, the quote is, uh, is like, you know, uh, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Right. Right. And right. Which is... I'm sure that's something Confucius said, but I remember watching that. First of all, if you don't like Kung Fu Panda, if you don't like the idea of a fat orphan finding out that he's the biggest hero in the world, like, <laughs> you have no heart. Like, if you throw all the tears. But like, I thought, like, that's a kid's movie, and that's super deep to be in a kid's movie, and I love that. That's why that, that's why that movie is so successful for me. It's right. Like, yeah, it's, today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. And, and, the, the, and the, the challenge is to live in the practice of that. That's yeah, the challenge. Yeah, because it's the challenge is because the thing that you said when you uh, that just came to me now. The thing that you said when you were teaching at Camp Improv Utopia was like, uh, yesterday's in the past. He's like, what? You know, you were telling some student, you're like, what happened in the past? You can't change it. It's already in the past. It's done. And in the future, you haven't got there yet. You can't do anything about it. You can't control it. So why the fuck are you? Are, why do you care about anything except what's happening right now? It takes us out of that. It yeah. takes us out. Now, now, I love my friends. I fucking love them because they do things like, my sister, for example. Okay. She'll say things like, my dad will say this too. He'll say, let it go. Let it go. And you go, I can't let it go. And you go, no. What you can't do is you can't let go saying that you can't let go. Mm -hmm. So let it the fuck go. And you go, okay. So there's this thing of saying, okay, let's pretend mm -hmm. that I can let it go. And then this feeling washes over you. You know that feeling. You're driving in a car where you're going, oh, I'm so worried. You're driving, you're late for somewhere, you're on the 405. Why the fuck am I on the 405? I should never <laughs> take it. Why can I listen to myself? You're on the 405, you're heading somewhere, you're late, and you're going, God damn it. And you're already walking into this meeting late in your yeah. mind. And then suddenly you get a text from somebody saying, meeting's been canceled. Uh, first exit. Right. But there's that feeling. I see, oh, see, I'm what looking you, for something to eat right What now. did you just do? What did you just do? You went to exit as yeah. opposed to going to right now. You know what I mean? Right now you go, oh, because right. what's better than a feeling of going, of release, of right. surrender, oh, of letting yeah. go? Yeah. Right. So you're already, Brian, you were on your way off the fucking 405. <laughs> be on the 405 for that moment. What if you could be on the 405 and not be worried about and being And not care. Right? Like, all right, right.
When I travel all the time, I have, it costs me $450 a year to be a member of the Admirals Club at, <laughs> at American Airlines. Amazing! You know, it's really great. Amazing. And uh, Nick Armstrong does the same thing, I believe. So it's that. Or Hello, Mr. Wazowski. Hello, <laughs> Right. And I walk in the Admirals Club. And why do I? And so what, what it makes me do is get to the airport early. Because I can make get my bloody Mary, get the photo taken, oh, I get I've some seen, shitty I've sandwiches. Seen, yeah, seen oh, it's always great. Seen the photo, yeah. yeah, and and I only have bloody Marys going out, not coming in. Here, here. All right, so that brings yeah. me up to something else. Well, the our idea family, it's, in our family, it's it, uh, the phrase is "It is what it is." It is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. But the thing is, like, like how long did that take you to really own that phrase? Do you understand me? Oh yeah, a long time. Well, we're Irish Catholic, so everything takes a long oh, time to fuck, let go. Man, you guys, man, you fucking guys, you guys. Well, I'm half Irish, half German. So the joke I always like to make is, uh, half of me is trying to forget a war, the other half can't. Right. <laughs> right. Like right. Right. Um, uh, yeah, and the Catholicism. And I'm not. I'm not like I was raised Catholic, which means I'm an atheist now. Which my mom. Oh no 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 no. I'm not an atheist. No, I. I, What I'm saying is, I get it. I was married to a Catholic and her family. I was married into a Catholic family for 14 years. I was part of that relation for 16 years, 17 years. And growing up in Chicago, you go, you cannot fucking escape Mm -mm. the guilt that is in every fucking parish. I tell people it's like it's like it's like being born Jewish. You're just it's there forever. It's there. Well, but forever. But do you hold on to that guilt? Um. I'm better. I'm. I'm I should word. say better. Uh, because oh, see, here's the thing about that. Here's the wait, wait. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. Better. You didn't give yourself permission to get to the point of saying I'm. I'm good. I'm good. Right. You know what I mean? Because when you do better, you go. Ah, it's your guilt. It's that yeah. guilt that going. Well, you know what? Your answer. I couldn't even say. It. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good about it. I tell you, I'm pretty good. Right. I'm doing all right. You know what I mean? How about them bursts? So, <clears throat> so it's that feeling yeah. of like, how's that going? Because I. I, my issue is guilt. Yeah. My issue is guilt, and my, my, my challenge is guilt. It's not my issue, it's my challenge. Right. My challenge is guilt, because if it's my issue, I get to hold on to it. It's my challenge, I get to, I get to work with it. Right. So, I like that. I like yeah. That. yeah. So it's the idea of I am, so it's, it's guilt for me, and then the, the fucking releasing of the guilt, saying, oh, I, there's nothing I can do about any of that. That right. all happened, and yet the guilt of religion and I think a great thing is the moment that you realize there's a difference between religion and spirituality. Yeah, yeah. One has baggage. One says don't carry anything. Everyone makes a joke, you know, like, you know, uh, improv is a cult. Dell was, you know, the, <clears throat> he even said, you know, he's the mojo man or whatever. Uh, but I was like, no, it's not. It's not a religion. And I know, and here's why, because I was raised Catholic. Improv isn't a religion because A, I can leave if I want to, and B, I would never want to leave. Right. Right? Right. It's given me all the stuff that I need, and I came to it in its own way, and it has its own passion, it has its own, it has its own sort of, uh, you know, the meal, sit down, stand up, pray, homily. Right. It's all there. <clears throat> but I came to it on my own volition, it wasn't forced upon me, and I would never want to leave it because it provides all the stuff that organized religion should but can't because by the very nature of it being organized and it, right right if and your church fills a stadium you've skipped some chapters in the book right i also you think read it all the way through right i think a lot of people don't read it i didn't oh, have any i saw the guy that had the tattoo of i saw a picture of it the guy had a tattoo on his upper right arm of the the bible verse from leviticus saying that homosexuality is a sin. A man should not lay with another man. And I'm like, hey, asshole, the very next part of Leviticus is don't get fucking tattoos. Don't, like, yeah, right. you're already, you're already, if you can, well, if you can cherry pick, and so can I. My cherry picking is to leave you all of it. The, uh, <clears throat> don't care. The guy, the guy Jesus sounds great. The guy, if he lived and if he did all those things, or just the concept, and it's kind of been proven that he wasn't, uh, is great. Would I like to be more like that? Absolutely. More, more kind, more forgiving, less judgmental. Uh, absolutely. That doesn't mean I have to turn that, and then the, the idea of the proselytizing. I'll invite people to improv. I'll say, but I'll never like, oh, if you don't take this level one class at I.O., you're going to hell. You're going to use the life of right. and then constantly, and like knock on your door. I don't think this art form would ever get to that, nope. which is why I will never leave it. I, I also think that every time I teach, I learn something about living my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of people, oh, I, I think I'm, I'm, uh, one of the, so I travel all over the place. Sure. And what I teach is 
uh, has been gleaned from all these different places. Mm -hmm. And it's a style that I work on, and uh, you know, you do it, and uh, and who else does it? Uh, uh, you do it, Susan Messing does it, Joe Bill does it, right. Miles does it, certainly. It's that idea of um, take as much as you want and then spread it around. Yep. So when I go to a place, it doesn't fucking matter to me, your experience does not matter to Don't me. Don't care. What also doesn't matter to me is if it's funny. What also doesn't matter to me is if you get the who, the what, and the where. What also doesn't matter to me if you get the game, the scene. And, and the reason being, when we work on the freedom of not having those strictures, mm -hmm. constrictions, constrictions, whatever it's going to be, yep. people will go into it without having an ego of, I can't do this. Right. Because all that we have to do, all that we get to do, all that there is there is, are you here right now with the feeling, the emotion that you have? Yeah. Which is true about everything. Mm -hmm. So why would I want to do that? And here's another thing. Why do I want to be a part of a, an organization that says, I'm not good enough, no matter what, I'm not good enough, no matter what, um, I was born with not good enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, this life honestly. that I'm living right now is nothing compared to what's coming next. Mm -hmm. And my feeling is there's no such thing as next. Um, so it's, it's those ideas. And I'm on an airplane with a woman, and I'm telling her what, what I'm doing, and I, I can tell that she's going, um, Like a dog that's showing a car trick. Huh? Right, exactly. Dog just doesn't even fuck. Yeah, right. So, so she's sitting there going, so, so, that's all good about your imagination and things like that. I'm going, imagination? I wanted to punch you so hard. I'm going, what are you talking about? Amazing. And it's your imagination. And, and then it comes out, she is Christian. Yep. She has, there's not been any divorce in her family. She, her, she was married to a guy for 13 years, a doctor, and he died. And, and then I said, okay, so your husband died. Did you see that coming? <laughs> You know what I mean? With all, with all due respect. Did you see that coming? Did you, no, I didn't see that coming. It's like, all right, in a very real way, you just experienced what having an expectation is going to be. <laughs> this is why I don't talk to people on airplanes. Oh, I oh for me, I did, book. You know, for me, I felt like, yeah, I, I, I really didn't mean to talk to her, but <laughs> I downloaded two Breaking Bad episodes, and I'm yeah. like, I'm going to watch those on the plane. Did you do that? Did you do the Breaking Bad? <clears throat> oh, I love Breaking Bad. Yeah, I just finished it. Oh, it's great. Is oh, uh, the 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 last three episodes, and for everything for the spoiler alert for anyone's listening, go yeah 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 for the next thirty seconds. Everything from everything from the moment that uh, Hank Schrader dies until the end of that show is perfect. It's right. flawless. Absolutely. There's not a goddamn thing wrong with it. Right. No. Everything. No. 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 Everything like being able to say like I love things like <clears throat> I like watching pieces of art that are collaborative mm -hmm. and from topped all the way down it all fit uh, I it was think, a perfect herald i think last of the mohicans is is as close to as perfect of a movie as you can get you know what i, I got the book I, I got the book and i never finished the book all right and 30 seconds is up and we can't talk about yeah, that we can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave a big part of it away I gave a big and you know what that's yeah. why i wanted to be honest like let fucking somebody know that yeah um i i looking at all that oh my god and the acting was great. And then there was there's this thing where if you told me ten years ago that the dad from Malcolm in the Middle, right? I'd, I'd get the fuck out of here. Right? Get out of here. With right? That. And no here's way. another thing. You know what? Lady who married the doctor. There's your fucking expectation. Yeah. Brian Cranston thinks I'm a sitcom guy. Doing all the big stuff. I never, <laughs> never watch that show. Never watch. Never watch that show. I, I can't because it's just the show is just about. Hey, aren't women bitches? Because the whole show is wrapped around that the mom is the bitch, and every man in there is running away from her and just hoping like the comedy just comes from the the loops that they try to, the flaming hoops that they jump through to make sure that mom doesn't find out. Because if she does, she's going to kick the shit out of us. See, and I'm like, see, I don't you know, know who what? you are that hates women why so you say, badly. Why wouldn't you say spoiler alert before you say all that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a public service. Don't watch the show; it hates people. Uh, but look at Brian Cranston. Really thought that he was going to do that. Yeah. And here's another thing: Brian Cranston has been consistently Brian Cranston. Now, Aaron Paul. What's going? What's going to happen to those guys now? Uh, you, know? you know, as soon as you saw the movie Need for Speed, it's like that's, right. That's the one your agent talked you into. Oh, why would you do that? And and goes, you know, you fucking did that. But here's the thing: 
Does he have a regret about that? No. Is he going to hold on to that? Nope. Right? Nope. So whatever it is that we have done that makes us go, One for me, one for the movie gods is the old quote, right? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I did, I did what I had to do, and I'm sure if you ask me, like, look, back when I was doing, like, fucking Pops commercials, you know, uh-huh. serial commercials, if someone said, hey, you're going to be the lead in a movie based off a very popular video game, Thank you. What video game? What's this? Need for Speed. Need for Speed. Oh, that's a video game. Yeah, it's a it's a car uh-huh. driving video. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a racing. Oh, game. that makes it worse. Yeah, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> you can count on one hand how many successful movies have been made based off of video games, and the most successful one is The Matrix, which isn't based off a video game at all. It's just a video game type of movie. What was the one? <clears throat> wasn't what's his name in Donkey Kong who did Mona Lisa? Bob Hotch- Hotchkins. Bob uh, Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. He was in, wasn't was he? Was it Donkey Kong? Oh, no, Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario. Yes. Super Mario. It was him, Bob Hoskins, and fucking, what's his, uh, what's his name? Who does, uh, he does all like the one-man shows on Broadway, Latino actor. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Yeah. Those two guys, insanely talented. Right. Insanely, right? like, Shakespearean trained and all that stuff. Great, like... Playing, playing Mario and Luigi, the Super Mario Brothers. Right, 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 yeah, and right. Then, and then what's his name? And then Dennis, Dennis Hopper is dressed up as a lizard man. He's the villain. But here's the thing. <laughs> when people look at one of the worst movies ever made, they don't look at that movie. Oh, no. I've seen the worst movie ever made. Which is? Uh, a Polish Vampire in Brooklyn. Is that the name of the movie? <clears throat> That's the name of the movie. I saw it years ago. I was probably like nine. But it's but my it's, uncle's house in Chicago, and it was written, directed, starred, shot, and composed by the same guy. And uh, everything was just there was just a fog machine. But what about major distribution <clears throat> movies where you go really? It was on, it was on HBO. I don't know. Right, <clears throat> right. Major distribution. But movies. what the one that 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 Any uh, Lucy? Did you see Lucy? I couldn't. Uh, me and Kia talked about this. My girlfriend, Markia. Uh, she looks at. It, she goes. That is a big-budget, science fiction, female-driven lead movie. I'm going to go see that and support that so there'll be more of those movies like that because that's the type of thing I want to do. I'm an actress. I want that. I go, I can't watch that movie because I can't... The suspension of disbelief in movies is very important to me, especially as a director and making movies. that Everything has to make sense and you have to be lost in it and afterwards go, wow, that's great. You know, human beings only use 10% of their brain. That's not true. That's not science. And I can't listen to anything else you're saying. You, and they're doing it. And Are you saying, every, so you're saying that that was the, because I don't know that that was that punished. Was the, it was, that was in punished. every trailer. Right. Most human beings can, Morgan Freeman. Right. Most human beings can only use 10% of their brain. Lucy can use 85%. What happens when, and I don't know what's going to happen when she gets to 100. I'm like, that's not fucking true. I'm like yelling at the screen. Like, that's not science. At all. Do you go to a lot of movies? Uh, not anymore. Not uh, first releases, all that. No, because I find them they're they're not meant for me. I'm a storyteller. It's, it's so interesting because I don't. I feel like so much shit is not meant for me. Their amusement. The Transformer movie isn't a movie. It's an amusement park. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And yet they keep fucking making those movies. Yeah. Uh, and yet I also believe well, that maybe most... not so much more because that Lucy didn't do too well. But also no, no. This has been the worst summer for summer blockbusters and for the film industry overall as far as ticket sales and box office in 20 years. It's the worst. The, the idea of the big... But, and we're going to be through it because, you know, DC and Warner Brothers and right. all that. <clears throat> Marvel. Until at least 2022, we're still going to have all these big... But it's going away because you can't... You just can't push all in on 13 black anymore right because there's too many you talk about breaking bad or game of thrones they're like the best stuff that's being done on cable now used to be reversed where cinema is where you went for like the real adult storytelling right. and tv was the like slumming it i watched uh boardwalk empire Mm, which love, I love. Love uh, show. Breaking Bad, I had to be talked into it by Jen really? Why, why did you have to be talked um, into Because it? I don't sit and watch TV. Okay. I sit at the computer and I bitch about guns. Uh, so I don't do <laughs> really? that. I haven't seen that. No, no, you should watch everyone. No, show. you're in my feed every day. <laughs> every day. Every day. So I, that's what I do. Um, but going to a movie, I feel like, I, I also feel like I don't miss it. It's the same thing that I feel like with the industry. I don't go on auditions. I don't fucking miss it because it didn't make me feel good about me I yeah. didn't and ah, this is it I didn't like my relationship to it I didn't I didn't like my relationship to and I think that a lot of people can look at what they're doing and not see it as what they're doing but see it as a relationship I didn't like my relationship with um, uh, with the industry I didn't yeah. like my relationship with the auditions I didn't like my relationship with watching television <clears throat> sitcoms um, but then I had to be talked into it and and I need to listen to 
to those voices more. The people that say, you'd really like this. Give it a really chance. Is the yeah. phrase I always have. Like, Give it a chance. But the thing is, like, <clears throat> for you to say it, or for Jen to say it, mm -hmm. or for you know uh, uh, my sister to say it, right. uh, or to look at it and go, give it a chance, I'm going to know that. I'm also right. going to know that my mom has no tolerance for anything. So I'm not going to do, I'm not going to listen to her right, with right. that. But what is it, what's the relationship that you have with these things? Yeah, I, I love that you say like not going to auditions because I have an agent, right? Uh, I have, you know, I have a manager and all that. And I've, I've talked about like being okay with being who you are. Like I've specifically, the commercial agent is, is what it is. They're doing it. And, I, and I'll go to them. And she, you know, she went through the struggle uh, and the hassle of giving it. I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna book out because I'm lazy that day, or I don't like it, or whatever. Right. But I go into knowing it is what it is because right. most commercial auditions are just. Honestly, you can just come in and be like, "Look, I've walked in the door, so you know my feet work, and I'm talking to you, so you know my mouth works, and so now I'm just gonna turn to one side, and then I'm gonna right. turn to the other side, right. and then we can just skip all the other bullshit because that's what it's gonna be, right? Right. You're just you're, you're <laughs> placing people. To, do I look like I could be this seven-year-old kid's dad? Do we have enough? Rent? Then that's why I'm getting the gig. Right. Fuck it. It has nothing to do with my talent. It has nothing to do with acting. It has nothing to do with art. I remember coming out here but auditioning. You're talking about to come back to the group and congratulations. I'm, I'm bummed that I'm. I'm not bummed that I'm teaching tonight because I love teaching. Uh -huh. I'm bummed that I can't be there for uh, to support you guys. I'm really excited here. about it, and that's another that's thing where you do it. You generate your, as an actor now, and I tell everybody, I'm like, the, the even in the, even back in the day, it wasn't this. But it's even less now. This idea of like, oh, here's a magic wand, and boop, you will have a career. Stop waiting. It was that. never like that. It was never like that. But now you have the opportunity to go generate your own material. <clears throat> Here's the thing with me. Like, I went to the North Carolina School of the Arts. I cannot get around to calling it the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. They changed the name a couple uh -huh. years ago, and it just sounds weird coming out of my mouth. But those guys, the first guys to make a feature out there was David Green. Uh, uh -huh. David Golden Green. I can't even get used to saying David Golden Green. David those guys Golden were, Green. <clears throat> yeah, and uh -huh. he's got a great career now, and they made this movie, George Washington. Fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Uh... Time Magazine called it the second best movie of 2000 right after Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, that was then. <laughs> this is an yeah. indie movie that they made for like 50 grand, uh -huh. right? Uh, the, uh, at the Toronto Film Festival when it played, Roger Ebert wrote about it for five days straight. He's uh -huh. never done that for another movie. Uh, it's, it, it got a Criterion Collection DVD release. For a first-time feature filmmaker to get a Criterion DVD release, that's how good it is. <clears throat> it's all those guys, all those buddies of mine. They went to college and they went off and made this movie. So Tim Orr shot it. It looks beautiful. Tim does huge movies now. He shoots uh, Seeking a Friend to Share the End of the World with, like big, huge Hollywood comedies. Zine Baker edited. He's doing all of uh, you know uh, Seth Rogen's movies now. He just cut you know uh, the interview and then and you know Neighbors and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Danny McBride was in that, playing uh -huh. basically a character that was just the prototype for Kenny Powers that he's doing right. on HBO now. And uh -huh. Paul uh, Schneider. Who was the lead? Who has a great acting career now? You saw if you saw Lars and the Real Girl, he was. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's the brother. Oh he's great. great. He's like a young Ray Fiennes, right? Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> Paul, uh, Paul's great. He's a great drummer. He's a great editor. He's a great actor. Uh, you say he's a great drummer. Great drummer. He's a great drummer. Really? Yeah, he's great. That's awesome. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah, um, he said he always wanted to be the lead singer in a band, but he couldn't because uh, he could never find a drummer that was better than him. And he was like, "There's just no way I could be comfortable." Got it. Knowing the guy behind me on the skins <laughs> wasn't. Picking it up. Right? Well, but you got Leon Helm. Yeah, true. Uh, Great drummer, oh singer. God, so good. Uh, anyway, so they, all these yeah, guys. They, all these they, guys. They, they, you know, yeah. The reason why Paul has a career in doing stuff like that is because those guys went out and made it. Somebody saw it and said, right. that guy's great. Who, who has, how can I find him? That? And they bring him in and they say, I think you'd be good for this. Right. Because they saw you doing something. Right. Versus you just coming in and being one of a thousand headshots that are on someone's room. Like, that's how you generate your material, and then people will come get you and say, I want you to come do this. Now, good the this. I, yes, the idea <laughs> of generating your own material is also there's the, the process that happened before that is generate your appreciation for who the fuck you are. Right. Generate your appreciation to say, and, and you saw the magic wand, generate the appreciation to say, and we've gone back to the idea of what is it that you love and that's what it is that you're going to be doing if you end up chasing something that you don't love chase it 
If you're motivated to fucking chase it, chase, chase it. it. But here's another thing. Know that that might not happen. And it's empty and hollow. If, <clears throat> if it is, but it, it's empty and hollow for when you. you. When you say chase something you don't love, like, mm -hmm. I don't get but that. If, but, okay, so for me, if somebody says, I want you to go to the Sorbonne and I want you to do whatever the fuck they do at the Sorbonne. Yeah, yeah, the Sorbonne. And I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck they do there. I'm not going to do it. I'm not motivated to do it. Sure. But if somebody says, maybe you should take a screenwriting Think about a screenwriting class. I'm thinking, I'm thinking mm -hmm. I could do that. Right. I could do that and then I don't do that. But I'm not going to do it because I feel like that is going to get me to the thing that's going to get me to the thing that's yeah, going to get yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, a lot no, of people do that oh, as do opposed it. to, what the fuck are you fucking doing the fuck right now and fucking do that? Part of, and part of that is the society that is, as, as I hate to be like, oh, like, I don't want to sound like a first year philosophy student, like, society, man. But it, it is a social structure that's now that exists that people used to want to grow up to be astronauts or cowboys or firemen or cops. And now it's like celebrity. Famous right, for what? Right. For what? Right, I mean, right. no, I don't care what I'm famous for. I just want to be famous. I love and the idea of people wanting to grow up to be a cowboy. <clears throat> you used to be able to because their westerns were the only thing on TV, and those right. were the heroes. You know? Right. You know, right. Connors, the Rifleman. I uh, think uh, the idea of grow up to be a hero. I want to grow up to be a hero. I want to be a hero <clears throat> when I grow up. My buddy Heath Michaels. Uh, I've, I love this story. When he was at, when he was in kindergarten, they they'd spread out these big uh, these big long sheets of paper, and you have lay down, and they would like trace you. And then they'd say, like, draw in that what you want to be when you grow up. So people are like, doctors, or like, this thing. He's five years old. Spider-Man. He drew in Spider-Man. I want to be Spider-Man when I grow up. Well, you can't, Heath, you can't be Spider-Man when you grow up. I, no, I want to be Spider-Man. Well, I want to be Spider-Man when I grow up. The idea, you don't know that. You don't, you don't know, know that. that. So what is he doing now? Oh, is that your catchphrase, bro? Yeah, You're that's talking right. about you, the don't other that. you don't know that. You don't know that. that. A, a guy told me, uh, uh, Bob Kojis, who I love, he said, I'm on an airplane. I'm sitting. I decided to take a different airplane. Um, and I'm sitting next to this guy who... Um, Wait, a different airplane? Like... Yeah, yeah, different different time. Okay, so he's okay. like decided to take Got a different... It. Yeah. I'm going to that plane. Whatever. He's like, I don't like that one. Give me that one. So he decided to take... He was on a different... He was on a plane and whatever. He just decided to get on this flight earlier, whatever, I don't know what it was. Mm -hmm. So he's sitting there, uh, so he's, he's, he's there, he gets on this flight, he sits next to this guy, because you know, that's, that's Southwest, you get to yep. pick where you want to sit. And he sits next to this guy, and they're having this conversation, and something happened, and end up, this guy worked at, uh, he's, he's coming to California from Florida to, be, uh, to, to play the Magic Castle. And oh, Bob says, um, uh, uh, I went to I got tickets to the Magic Castle I went to the Magic Castle now I would probably I, I know he said how did he say it? he said I wouldn't have done anything interesting if that didn't happen and I thought and I said you don't know that you fucking don't know yeah, that and here's another thing you know what he just did he fucking and I put this in quotation marks yeah. he bettered himself he fucking went and bettered himself. Oh, this is good, but I don't... You don't fucking know that. You don't know that. So what's the lesson here? For me, the lesson is, you don't know that. Just uh, be in what it is mm -hmm. that you have. Right. All right, let's end there. Yeah. Good that was place. good. I'm sorry I just went off on that. No, I, just, I love it. I'm going to see him for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rizowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrizowski.com. Or follow Dave on Twitter at DRozowski.